Full squad workouts have officially begun for the Detroit Tigers. We're going to talk about that, some news and notes out of camp. Then we're going to player preview Andrew Chafin and Miguel Diaz. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers can join today and get $150 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All righty. Well, hope you're all having a fantastic week so far. Happy Tuesday to all. So like I said, we are going to player preview. I'm realizing I wrote player profile in my uh, in my itinerary here. Pretty same premise, right? All right, same premise. Uh, we're gonna have player preview Andrew Chafin and Miguel Diaz. Uh, and you know, two members of this bullpen we're gonna knock out today. We're trying to get through everybody on the 40 man roster before the uh, before opening day. So, you know, I think that people are really starting to get a little bit more optimistic about this bullpen as we get closer and closer to the season. I'm really fascinated with bullpen management in spring training. Uh, and and who's going to get the higher leverage situations? It's spring training at the end of the day. None of it's super high leverage, but you know what I mean. Like who's who's going to get the nods kind of in the later innings, uh, especially as we get closer and closer to you know opening day, obviously. So yeah, I, I think that uh, going and and talking about the bullpen today will be something that's interesting. Uh, we are also going to discuss. The injury report, another injury report, that time of the week, right? So we'll uh, we'll go over some new faces on there, but nothing that seems to be too serious. We'll obviously talk about that. Uh, but we're going to start off here by talking about news and notes out of spring training. Obviously, like I mentioned, the full squad workouts have started for the Detroit Tigers, which is super, super fun. Uh, we have, yeah, everybody here. And you know, it's wild. We've talked about this a lot, so we don't need to get hung up too much more on it than we already have, but not too many people actually showed up on Monday. Like, everybody was kind of already there, which is super exciting. And I, and you know what? I'm not going to make it anything more than what it is, which is just some some guys that are ready to work and, and got there a, a little bit early, right? I'm not hanging a banner because people are showing up early, but that being said, optically, right? Not saying it means anything really, you know, or it's going to result in anything, I should say. I think it does mean something, but, uh, you know, you can show up in December. If you're not good enough, you're not good enough. So uh, I, I, I'm I, not trying to, to hang a banner or make it a huge deal or anything, but I do think that it is nice to see. I think it's really, really nice to see uh, all the players getting after it. It seems to be a real workman kind of mindset down there. Uh, all the beat writers that do a great job of covering, obviously, as we talk about all the time, are... Uh, are really just reporting a lot of that, that uh, everybody's really ready to get to work and is ramped up and uh, is ready to hit the ground running and start grinding. So that's awesome. Two thumbs up. That gets me excited. That should get you excited. I think that that's a really, really uh, important thing. And, you know, I'm, I, I think you can, you can 
realize how important that is without uh you know anticipating a a huge change in results maybe from where you were before they showed up early but regardless just two thumbs up for me man really really exciting stuff there uh the, really the only thing of note out of camp besides the injury update was just that uh, a lot of focus on defense early on, and, and that kind of makes sense. We're getting the first look at the infield and whatnot. I, I do find it somewhat funny that you know there was this big outcry when uh, videos started being posted and, and tweeted out about Matt Veerling playing third base, as if like we all haven't known that that was the plan for the last like four months. Like I, <laughs> I, I look. I mean, there, there's videos of me back in in August of last year when the season was still going on saying, yeah, I don't want Matt Veerling to be the opening day third baseman in 2024, right? Like that exists. There's actually a lot of those that exist. And there's a lot in November and December saying the same thing. But at some point you, you gotta, you gotta come <laughs> to, to grips with just the fact that it's true, right? I don't know why there's this like second, maybe it's just because Chapman's still a free agent. There's some people out there that really want him. Maybe that's all there is to it. But um, I, I just, I find it funny that, like yet yeah, he we know he's the opening day third baseman and and we we are very aware of that at this point and there's still this big outcry when you're panning across the infield and seeing everybody take uh take infield reps and seeing Matt Veerling at third base people get mad I don't know it's um he, he is uh, whether you like it or not no matter how mad it makes you I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news but he, he's gonna be the opening day starting third baseman um so uh and he's not some like terrible player and like I, again. I, I I think his best role is at a super utility, right? Where he's kind of moving around the field and whatnot. I think he has a lot of value there. Uh, I've, I've on record with this a billion times. We're not previewing Matt Beerling today. We'll go more in depth when we get to him, I guess. But um, he, he's not like terrible. And, and the awful production that the team got out of third base last year, you can look at the numbers. They're out there, available to everybody. It's not really because of Matt Beerling in a vacuum. Uh, so um, I, I, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm not trying to like, you know, cope or anything. Like I'm just, he is going to be the opening day third baseman. It's just, it's funny more than anything, just to see the, uh, the outcry when that's like very clearly what the plan is at this point. Um, but, uh, he looks solid for whatever that's worth in day one of, of, of light ground ball defense. He looks solid. So, uh, for whatever that's worth to you, probably not a lot, not a lot to me either. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got our first looks at Colt Keith at second base as well. I think that's probably the biggest storyline Torkelson as well, you know, for as much as, uh, people are ready to talk about what he can do offensively, uh, and whatnot, which obviously that's going to be the biggest kind of focal point of his game. But, uh, Spencer Torkelson was really like struggled immensely defensively outside of scooping the baseball, which is a caveat. I always like to throw out there because he was really good at scoops. Um, but you know, it's uh, he he really struggled in every other aspect of defense outside of scoops last year. So uh, seeing him get work and uh, seeing him work with Alan Trammell, Alan Trammell also doing a lot of work with Colt Keith, obviously, which makes a lot of sense, middle of the infield type. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, that's kind of the one of the bigger things as well. You know, Evan Petzold wrote a great piece for the Freep, you know, just highlighting Alan Trammell and talking about how meaningful and his impact to the organization and whatnot. So um, seeing him out there and, and seeing him work with any time a, a Hall of Famer and a guy that was as good defensively as Tram was can uh, get his hands on, you know, some some players that are still young and trying to improve defensively. I think that can really only lead to good things. So 
um, yeah, it was really nice to see. Not expecting a, a gold glove caliber season out of guys. Tram was there last year too, right? But um, I, I do think that that's always nice to see. And he just is such a well-respected guy in this organization, in the clubhouse, on the field, et cetera, by all these players. So just really, really cool to see. Um, but yeah, looks like def- defensively, um, we'll have a lot of conversations as we get closer and closer to uh, to the regular season. There's just so much volatility in in everything with this team. And I think infield defense is another one of those things. You have really good defense from Javi, obviously. Uh, one of the the things, few things last year that he excelled at was his his defense. I know there's throwing errors. I'm not, you know, I, I remember. Um, but he has elite range, and that's something that brings a lot of value. But, you know, Colt Keith's a question mark. Matt Veerling over a full season, somewhat of a question mark. Spencer Torgelson, a big question mark. Like, there's... There's a lot of a lot of you know what seal a lot of difference between the ceiling and the floor of what this infield defense could look like. So good to get the ground, good to hit the ground running, uh, and, and get Alan Trammell boots on the ground, baby, helping these guys. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Defense is something we did a whole episode on defense probably a month ago now, maybe even longer, and uh, you know it, it it didn't do like huge numbers, right? The the numbers for the show wasn't a very popular episode, but it's something I'm really, really fascinated in because I think there's a, there's a lot of moving parts and possible outcomes for this defense for the team. So uh, that is really the very long winded answer. It's a good thing. uh, Talking to myself is, (laughs) is part of my job. Uh, The very long winded answer of kind of day one, just starting to look at this defense. Okay. Let's talk about Andrew Chafin and Miguel Diaz. We'll do that right after this. You know, we have talked the last couple of days about our friends over at eBay Motors, and today is no different because passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy and also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay guaranteed fit with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with eBay motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. So with all the parts you need and all the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into an MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only exclusions apply eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back tomorrow talking about news and notes out of camp and previewing at least one more, if not two more, players as well. Also, be sure to check out Locked On Sports today, the 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, and now also available on Amazon Fire TV and the free Fire TV channels app. 24-7 news, news and notes from around the sports world, from local experts to national experts. Locked On has you covered. Like I said, subscribe to the YouTube channel or check it out on the free Fire TV channels app. Okay. Talking about Andrew Chafin and Miguel Diaz today. Let's start with Andrew Chafin. Last year for the Diamondbacks and Milwaukee Brewers. 
had a down year for his standards. A 4.73 ERA was worth 0.5 F war for anybody who cares about reliever war, which I really do not. 4.73 ERA, though, is definitely higher than we're used to and higher than he has put up in a rather long time outside of the really weird 2020 season. Uh, that's, you know, the second highest of his entire career in 51 of the third innings, had an 11.05 K per nine still, still got his strikeouts, still got his swings and misses, but his walk numbers went up a boatload, 4.91 walk per nine and home run per nine over one. Um, so yeah, you know, when talking about Chafin, I want to start off by saying there's been a few reports. I know Evan Petzl talked about it a little bit. And uh, several beat writers have talked about just, you know, Chafin uh, was far away from his family for a while and had mentioned something on the lines of, you know, like having a child and being that far away from his family kind of, you know, got into his head a little bit. So there might be some struggles there. And one of the reasons that he loved playing with the Tigers the first time around and had no issue coming back was because he is a lot closer to his family uh, when he plays here. So I want to start off with that. That's something that if you're a, a, you know, a big believer in like the off the field stuff matters a lot and can help someone take a big step forward, then there you go. If you're not, then, then, you know, take it or leave it. But that is something that has been talked about with Chafin a little bit. So, uh, you know, don't really talk about the off the field stuff too terribly much. Um, but that is one that, you know, it was it was reported early on, and, and there's some belief that that may help him this year. So I want to start off with that, our great reporting by our fantastic beat writers, as always. Um, so on the field last year, like I said, ERA very high uh, for his standards. His whip, 1.42, also one of the highest numbers of his career. Um, but there's some underlying numbers that are still really to love with Chafin, and he still brings so much value and can still be such a reliable option in this bullpen. Uh, I guess we'll start off by saying even last year, he did, still didn't get hit hard. 88th percentile on average exit velo in, I almost just jumped the gun and went to swing and miss numbers after that. Sorry, there was a pump fake there. A little bit of a head fake for you. Um, but 88th percentile on average exit below, like I said, 88th percentile in hard hit rate as well. Uh, 20th percentile in barrel rate. So when people did hit the ball hard, it was in the air. And uh, and usually, I would imagine, four extra bases, thus the kind of inflated ERA there. But still didn't give up a ton of hard contact, which is something he's always been really good at. But like I said, his strikeout numbers actually kind of held, right? Uh, 87th percentile in swing and miss and whiff rate, 82nd percentile in K rate with 28.1%, still really good numbers in that regard. So that slider, still sliding, baby, right? We'll talk about that pitch in a second. Um, and, and his strikeout numbers still good. The thing is the walk numbers plummeted. Uh, sixth percentile in walk rate, 12.5%, just really struggled with command, this past season now still got swings in, or still got chases though uh 76 percentile in chase rate with 31.2 percent so uh, he still was able to get people to expand the strike zone swing out of the zone uh, but that walk rate 
really kind of doing him dirty there and was a big reason for his inflated numbers. Certainly a big reason for the inflated whip walks, hits and in it per innings pitched um, obviously direct correlation there, but just in general, really hard to keep runs off the board when you're walking as many hitters as he did last year. So um, when he was staying in the strike zone, he was still same old Andrew Chafin. That's been one of the better lefty relievers in baseball for quite a while now. And uh, so I think the big thing for him is going to be just re-finding and establishing the zone and not uh, not walking as many hitters. I know that's like a super lame answer and a super simple way to look at it, and it's way more complicated than that. But that it, it, like everything else was still good. Like it really was just the one number that really kind of jumped out at you uh, when talking about his pitch mix last year. One of the biggest reasons why he struggled. To, uh, to keep runners off the base paths and throw the ball in the strike zone was because his four-seam fastball did not play very well. Uh, his fastball, which for years has been a way for him to kind of establish the strike zone, like I said, and, and, and kind of get ahead in counts, uh, did not really do that in 2023. His four-seam fastball last year, a 353 batting average against and a whopping 647 slug against. A lot of extra base hits, a lot of pop, and uh, the expected slug was actually even higher than the regular slug. Now, the forcing fastball is his third most thrown pitch. It's not like this guy's throwing 60% four seamers and it was getting rocked last year. Okay, so I do want to preface it with that, but when you don't have a good fastball, and he already doesn't rely on velocity, right? This is a guy that tops out at 92, 93 maybe at most. Uh, He's going to sit low 90s with it. If you can't sneak that in there and get a strike whenever you desperately need it, it, it's, again, really tough to keep runners off the base paths. And, you know, just comparing his four-seam fastball the previous years, 2022 with the Tigers, 241 batting average against, 2021, 183 batting average against for the four-seam fastball. Like, this is a pitch that in his career he has been able to throw in there, especially in the latter half of his career. Uh, has been able to get in there, and and they kind of reverted back to young Andrew Chafin when the four-seam fastball was a pitch that was hit rather often. Now, his two most mo- most thrown, most moan, his two most thrown pitches uh, are the sinker and the slider. And the fascinating thing about Chafin is even as a lefty, he will throw his slider to righties and lefties, and it's really good. It's his, comfortably his best pitch against righties and lefties. There are not too many examples of that in the game of baseball, which is one of the reasons I love him so much. And one of the reasons why I think he he has lasted as long as he's lasted in this game and that I think he can continue to pitch for really as long as he wants, assuming he can fix the walk numbers. Like his slider gets righties out. Uh, it, it's so fascinating to me. Overall on the year, his slider had a 111 batting average against and a 208 slug against. That is mind-numbingly good, okay? And against righties specifically, through the slider, the second most thrown pitches, the only the sinker he threw more against righties, 106 batting average against. You heard me right. That means his slider was actually better against righties than it was lefties, even though he is a lefty. So just the movement on it and the shape on it is so unique and so good. Uh, Andrew Chafin is such a treasure and is just he's such a personality. Obviously, everybody loves Chafin, but, um, you know, 56% whiff rate on his slider last year. And, and that's, again, in a down year for him. <laughs> 
I, I, I just, I know I keep driving this point home, but it really is all he needs to do is limit walks and we're back and we're so back, right? Like we never left uh, because the stuff is still there. He didn't struggle because his pitches just stopped working. He's one of the best slider lefty sliders out of the bullpen in baseball the last few years. And it was still elite. Uh, the sinker, really solid pitch, just to get me over pitch that can get ground balls and, and keep the ball in the yard. It did that, right? It could be better. It, it could be certainly uh, be better than, than or go back and, and pick a year where it was kind of a, a low 200 batting average pitch. It was 284 this past season. But the sinker's not a swing and miss type of pitch. You're, you're pitching it for weak contact. And so if he can just get the four-seamer back and establish it in the zone and limit those walks, I, I I think we could go back to what he was in 2022, which was one of the better lefty relievers in the American League Central and probably in the American League. Okay? Let's uh, let's put a bow on Chafin. Let's just talk about kind of ceilings and floor expectation, and then we'll move on to Miguel Diaz. We will do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. We talk about FanDuel a lot here because they are, simply put, the best in the business. You can get buckets right now on your first bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. But on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on to shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen as always. So talked about Chafin. Uh, as far as expectations, you know, one of the reasons uh, they got Chafin back was, well, first off, after losing Tyler Alexander, you know, the only lefties really that were established in your pen were, is, was going to be Tyler Holton and then Joey Wentz. Um, so it gives you a little bit more lefty depth there. But I think, you know, a, a really interesting, I can't remember if it was Hinch or Harris, which is bad uh, kind of journalism on my part there. But somebody important said that, uh, I think it was Harris, had said that um, bringing... Chafin back allows, actually, now that I think about it, I think it was Hinch. <laughs> it was one of them. Bringing Chafin back allows them to have a high leverage lefty no matter what. And I think that that's something that is really important with how AJ Hinch manages bullpens. You know, uh, we, we see a lot of this person's not available tonight. You know, you don't want to just have somebody throw 140 innings out of your bullpen and have them pitch every single day. Those days are over right? Uh, you, you, you need to give dudes days off. You need to give them rest. You need to give relievers that throw, you know, all these guys throw a hundred basically now, not our two lefties, oddly enough, but you know, these, these guys are, are exerting max energy, which is why they're, they're one inning relievers, two inning relievers. So you need to have those days off and to be able to have a guy you're confident in, in the back end of a game, that is a lefty, what you know, no matter who comes up and not just have one, to have multiple high leverage lefty relievers is a massive advantage with the way that bullpens are managed in today's day and age of baseball. Massive, massive, massive. I cannot understate the value that that will have. So um, obviously, if they're both available on any given night, 
then that's awesome. But I would imagine that it's going to be kind of a tandem between him and Holton, right? If Chafin pitches the eighth inning of one game, Holton will pitch the seventh or eighth of the next game kind of thing. And uh, and that's awesome. And that's great. And uh, I think that that's a, a very, very good reason to bring Chafin back. And I'm really excited about what he can do. Uh, this this staff knows him. They know what he excels at. They know how to get the most out of him as well. He had a great year for the Tigers in 2022. I'm pumped. And uh, I love the signing when it happened. And I uh, got no complaints of it, obviously. Now, also Chafin taking the offseason a lot more seriously, which I think is worth. I don't know why we're talking about off-the-field stuff with Chafin so much. But, um, you know, early on in his career was a guy that just kind of showed, didn't throw all winter and just kind of showed up uh, for spring training and got into shape then. Uh, and has really changed that the last couple of years. This year looks in fantastic shape. And it's kind of talked about, you know, taking it a lot more seriously in the offseason so that he's kind of game ready for uh, for spring. So that's great. Good for Chafin. And uh, let's move on to Miguel Diaz, one of my favorite players in the entire organization. I have been a huge fan of Miguel Diaz. Oh, man, I don't know. For, I guess, since the Tigers brought him in, I guess that that's probably a safe place to start. You know, I, I think his changeup, we'll get into it, I think is a really, really plus pitch. And I think has the potential to be a really solid pitch uh, in high leverage situations. And when talking about Miguel Diaz, we have to start with, and this isn't a super long conversation because we don't really know what his role on the team is going to be or if he's even going to make the team, which is why this is a, a shorter player preview. Um, it, the place you got to start with is he's out of options. He's out of minor league options. So this is a guy that is either going to make the team on opening day and stick, assuming that he keeps performing, or he is going to be put on waivers on opening day. And I genuinely think if he's put on waivers, he's going to get claimed. Unless he just has the worst spring training and his fastball velocity has plummeted and his slider you know, sucks and his changeup has completely lost all movement, which, and it's a great pitch. So I doubt that's going to happen. Um, but you know, this, this is a, a guy who has stuff and has done nothing but produce at the major league level for the last couple of years. Now we had an ERA over five in triple a last year, which is important to bring up. Um, but we've seen a lot of guys kind of have that uh, situation, right? Uh, Matt Manning, well, you know, before he got called up, his ERA was through the roof. Reese Olsen, uh, just this past season, right? If you want a, a more recent example, Reese Olsen's ERA was very, very high. Got called up and improved mightily. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, AAA is kind of becoming a launching pad. A lot of home runs hitting AAA these days. But also, just how great the Tigers' coaching pitching staff is. Uh, and I, I think that the combination of both of those things is probably why you see uh, that happened kind of across the board with a lot of guys. So, um, you know, I would love for Diaz to get on this opening day roster. I tried so hard in, in my roster prediction 1.0 to find a way to get Miguel Diaz on this major league roster. And I just couldn't. Um, so I I'm going to keep trying though. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to, we're going to see how spring training plays out. I would love nothing more than for this dude to be on the Detroit Tigers this year. Um, last season had a 0.4 war, a 0.64 ERA in 14 innings was obviously the September call up last year. Really good strikeout numbers, pretty solid walk numbers, did not give up a single home run. Again, just 14 innings, smaller sample size, um, but really showed the swing and miss stuff kind of on display. And 
really since COVID in his three major league stints, he has done nothing but produce uh, since COVID. Okay. So it's from t- the opening day, 2021 to game 162 in 2023 in 59 and two thirds innings. He has a two eight, seven ERA. That's a full season, right? Andrew Chafin pitched in 51 innings last year, right? Jason Foley pitched 60-something. Across three years now of about 60 innings of work, he has a sub-3 ERA at the major league level with a 1-1 whip, a 9.8K per nine, and a sub-4 walk per nine. He's been solid at this level, and I understand he's kind of one of those fringe players. It's hard to get your foot in the door. It's even harder to stay. Um, last year, like I said, really good whiff stuff. The biggest thing was the chase numbers. He had such good chase rates uh, in his short stint with the Tigers in 2023. Uh, one of the biggest reasons for that, again, obviously being that change-up change up splitter type thing. I don't know which one. You think it is. It's a really fast changeup if it is a changeup, but it's nasty regardless. The slider, really good whiff numbers. The changeup, really good whiff numbers. The four-seam fastball, 95 miles an hour, 0.91 batting average against, 32% whiff rate. Uh, I'm throwing all these numbers that just seem otherworldly. Small sample size, okay? I'm not trying to say that this dude is the greatest reliever to ever live, and if these numbers were over, you know, 200 innings and across five seasons, then obviously he, like, maybe would be. Um, So I'm I'm not trying to say that if he goes in and is on the team for 60 innings this year, just dropped my baseball. If he's on the team for 50 or 60 innings this year, that he's going to have a sub one ERA. Obviously, that's not the case. Uh, and, And I think his ERA in overall full season is probably over three. But if he can be a sub four ERA guy that can go and get you a swing and miss when you want to and just not allow a ton of walks, I there's 29 other teams that would gladly take that in their bullpen as well. I I just I like the stuff a lot. I think it'll play. They used him in pretty high leverage uh situations, even as a September call-up. He was opening games in Dodger Stadium at one point, right? Like he he just he kept runs off the board and had a sub one whip doing it. So um, I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm going to be a fan of his, even if he ends up putting on waivers, I, I I'm not going to be upset if he doesn't make the team, unless he goes somewhere else and crushes it, then I'm going to be a little salty, I guess. But, um, he's just one of those, you know, he's 29 years old, going to be 30, uh, this season. It, it's, it's tough to, to carve out a role in, in this league, man. And, uh, I I hope that they give him a legitimate look because last year he had a literal zero ERA in spring training in 2023 and they didn't call him up until September. And based on how good he looked in September, I think the organization regrets not calling him up sooner. I genuinely believe that. So I hope he gets a look. I hope that it's not just, you know what, we got to get these other guys in here. And, and, you know, we'll end on this. If he doesn't make the team, I think that that's probably a good sign for the organization, right? As much as because I I just kind of planted my flag in, you know, Miguel Diaz's production over the last year and a half, uh, obviously I I would be a little bummed, but I think that it's probably a good sign if he doesn't and if he looks good and doesn't, because that will mean that they are so confident in what they have and, and in the talent that they have in this bullpen with some actual dudes and names in it for the first time in what feels like years, 
that they are comfortable and fine with letting him walk. Uh, I think that that's kind of where you're at. You either get him on your team and you see what he can do in a full seasons of work, or he's you don't have him on the team and and it's because you are are so confident in what you do have. And uh, I think that that's the, a sign that the bullpen is getting deeper. It's getting more competitive. We'll have this conversation a lot more as we get closer and closer to opening day. But uh, like I said at the very beginning of the show, I think a lot of people are starting to get more and more optimistic about how good this bullpen can be. Chafin's going to be a big part of that. Miguel Diaz, maybe not a part of it at all. Um, but I think both of those conversations start and end with just how much deeper this pen has gotten. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back tomorrow. I felt a little scatterbrained today, so if I was, I apologize. Thoughts run a million miles an hour. Very long day of work for yours truly. Got to go back to it. So I will catch you all tomorrow. All right? Thanks for sticking with me. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And I'll see you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.